Welcome back to Voices of Church Past. I am your host, Rob Barnhart. Today we're going to be picking back up with Novation. There's this argument on the Trinity. And picking up the portion in which he starts to argue uh, some of his arguments about Jesus Christ. The same rule of truth teaches us to believe after the Father also on the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Lord our God, but the Son of God, of that God who is both one and alone, to wit, the founder of all things, as has already been expressed above. For this Jesus Christ, I will once more say, the Son of this God, we read of as having been promised in the Old Testament. And we observe to be manifested in the new, fulfilling the shadows and figures of all the sacraments, with the presence of the truth embodied, for as well as the ancient prophecies as the Gospels testify him to be the son of Abraham and the son of David. Genesis itself anticipates him when it says, To you will I give it, and to your seed. Genesis 17.8 he is spoken of when it shows how a man wrestled with Jacob. He too, when it says, There shall not fail a prince from Judah, nor a leader from between his thighs, until he shall come to whom it is promised, and he shall be the ex expectation of the nations. He is spoken of by Moses when he says, Provide another whom you may send. He is again spoken of by the same when he testifies, saying, A prophet will God raise up to you from your brethren. Listen to him as if to me. Deuteronomy 18, uh, 15. It is he, too, that he speaks of what he says. You shall see your life hanging in doubt night and day, and you shall not believe him. Him, too, uh, Isaiah alludes to, There shall go forth a rod from the root of Jesse, and a flower shall grow up from his root. The same also when he says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Him he refers to when he enumerates the healings that were to proceed from him, saying, Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened, ears of the deaf shall hear, the lame shall leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall be eloquent. He also, when he sets forth the virtue of Patience, saying, His voice shall not be heard in the streets, a bruised reed shall he not destroy, smoking flax shall he not quench. Him too, when he has described his gospel, and I will ordain for you the everlasting covenant, even the sure mercies of David. Him too, when he foretells that the nations should believe in him. Behold, I have given him for a chief and a commander to the nations. Nations that knew not you shall call upon. Peoples that knew you shall not flee unto. It is the same that he refers to when concerning his passion. He exclaims, saying, As a sheep he is led to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is dumb. So he opened not his mouth in his humility. Him, moreover, when he described the blows and stripes of his scourging, by his bruises we were healed, or his humiliation, and we saw him, and he had neither form nor comeliness, a man in suffering, who knows how to bear infirmity, or that the people would not believe in him all day long. I have spread out my hands onto a people that believes not, or that he would rise again from the dead, 
and in that day there shall not be a root in Jesse, and one who shall rise to reign over the nations. On him shall the nations hope, and his rest shall be honor. Or when he speaks of the time of resurrection, we shall find him, as it were, prepared in the morning. Or that he should sit at the right hand of the Father, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I shall place your enemies as a stool for your feet. Or when he is set forth as a possessor of all things, ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance and the boundaries of the earth for your possession. Or when he is shown as the judge of all, O oh God, give the king your judgment and your righteousness to the king's son. And I shall not in this place pursue the subject further. The things which are announced to Christ are known to all heretics, but are even better known to those who hold the truth. But of this I remind you that Christ was not to be expected in the gospel in any other wise than as he was promised before by the Creator. The scriptures of the Old Testament, especially as the things that were predicted of him, were fulfilled. Those things that were fulfilled had been predicted. As with reason, I might truly constantly say to that fanciful, I know not what of those heretics who reject the authority of the Old Testament, as to a Christ feigned and colored up from old wise fables. Who are you? Whence are you? By whom are you sent? Wherefore have you now chosen to come? And why such as you are? Or how have you been able to come? Or wherefore have you not gone to your own, except that you have proved that you have none of your own, by coming to those of another? What have you to do with the Creator's world? What have to do... What have you to do with the Creator's man? What have you to do with the image of a body from which you take away the hope of the resurrection? Why do you come to another man's servant, and do you desire to solicit another man's son? Why do you strive to take me away from the Lord? Why do you compel me to blaspheme and to be impious to my Father? Or what shall I gain from you in the resurrection? If I do not receive myself when I lose my body, if you wish to save, you should have made a man to whom to give salvation. Desire to snatch from sin, you should have granted to me previously that I should not fall into sin. For what approbation of law do you carry about with you? What testimony of the prophetic word have you? Or what substantial good can I promise myself from you when I see that you have come in a phantasm, not in a bodily substance? What then have you to do with the form of a body, if you hate a body? Nay, you will be refitted as to the hatred of bearing about the substance of a body, since you have been willing to even take up its form. For you ought to have hated the imitation of a body, and hated the reality, because if you were something else, you ought to have come as something else, lest you should be called the son of the Creator, if you even ha had the likeness of flesh and body, as shortly... You hated being born because you hated the Creator's marriage union. You ought to refuse even the likeness of a man who is born by the marriage of the Creator. Neither, therefore, do we acknowledge that this is a Christ of the heretics who was, said, who was as it is said, in appearance and not in reality. Uh, for uh, for the, of those things which he did, he could not have done nothing real. He himself was a phantasm, not reality. Nor him who were nothing of our body and of selves, seeing he received nothing from Mary. Neither did he come to us 
since he appeared as a vision not in our substance. Nor do we acknowledge that to be Prius, who chose an ethereal and starry flesh, as some heretics have pretended. Nor can we perceive any salvation of ours in him, if in him we do not even recognize the substance of our body, nor in short, any other who may have worn any other kind of fabulous body on a heretical device. For all such fables as these are confuted as well by the nativity as by the death itself of our Lord. For John says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, so that reasonably our body should be in him, because indeed the word took on him our flesh. And for this reason blood flowed forth from his hands and feet from his very side, that he might be proved to be a sharer in our body by dying according to the laws of our dissolution. And that he was raised again in the same bodily substance in which he died is proved by the wounds of that very body. And thus he showed the laws of our resurrection in his flesh, and then he restored the same body in his resurrection he had from us. For the law of resurrection is established in that Christ is raised up in the substance of the body as an example for the rest. Because when it is written that flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of God, Thus the substance of flesh that is condemned, which was built up by divine hands, that it should not perish, but only the guilt of the flesh is rightly rebuked by the voluntary daring of man rebelled against the claims of the divine law. Because in baptism and in the dissolution of death, the flesh is raised up and returns to salvation by being recalled to the condition of innocency when the mortality of guilt is put away. But less from the fact of asserting that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Creator, was manifested in the substance of the true body, we should seem either to have given assent to other heretics, who in this place maintained that he is man only and alone, and therefore desire to prove that he was man bare and solitaire. Lest we should seem to have afforded them any ground for objecting, we do not so express doctrine concerning the substance of his body, as to say that he is only and alone man, so as to maintain by the association of the divinity of the word in that very material, that he was also God according to the scriptures. For there is great risk of saying that the Savior of the human race was only man, the Lord of all, the chief of the world, to whom all things were delivered and all things were granted by his Father, by whom all things were ordained and all things were created and all things were arranged the king of all ages and times, the princes of angels, before whom there is none but the Father, was only man, denying to him divine authority in such things. For thus the contempt of the heretics will recoil also upon God the Father. God the Father could not beget God the Son. But moreover, no blindness of the heretics shall prescribe to the truth, nor because they maintain one thing, in Christ that do not maintain another, they see one side of Christ and do not see another. Shall there be taken away from us that which they do not see for the sake of that which they do? For they regard the weaknesses in him as if they were a man's weaknesses, but they do not count the powers as if they were God's powers. They keep in mind the infirmities of the flesh. They exclude the powers of the divinity. Even if this argument from the infirmities of Christ is of avail, to the result of proving him to be man from his infirmities, the argument of divinity in him gathered from his powers avails to the result also of asserting him to be God from his works. 
For if his sufferings show in him human frailty, why may not his works assert him in divine power? For if this should not avail to assert him to be God from his powers, neither can the sufferings avail to show him to be man also from them. For whatever principle to be adopted on one or the other side will be found to be maintained. For there will be a risk that he should not be shown to be man from his sufferings. If he could not also be approved as God by his powers, we must not then lean to one side and evade the other side, because anyone who should exclude one portion of the truth will never hold to the perfect truth. For Scripture, as much announces Christ as also God, announces God himself as man. It has as much described Jesus Christ to be man, as moreover it has also described Christ the Lord to be God. Because it does not set forth him to be the Son of God only, but also the Son of Man. Nor does it say the Son of Man, but it has been accustomed to speak of him as the Son of God as well. So that being both, he is both, lest he should be one and only. He could not be the other. For his nature itself has prescribed that he must be believed to be a man who is of a man. So the same nature prescribes that he also must be believed to be God who is of God. But if he should not also be God when he is of God, no more should he be man, although he should be of man. And thus both doctrines would be endangered in one or in the other way by one being convicted to have lost belief in the other. Let them, therefore, who read that Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, is man, read also that the same Jesus Christ is also called God, the Son of God. For in the manner that as man he is a of Abraham, so also as God he is before Abraham himself, in the same manner he is as man the son of David, so as God he is proclaimed David's Lord, in the same manner as he was made as man's under law, so that God he is declared to be the Lord of the Sabbath, in the same manner he suffers as man the condemnation, so as God he is found to have all judgment of the quick and the dead. And in the same manner as he is born, as man subsequent to the world, so as God he is manifested to have been before the world. And in the same way, as he was begotten as man of the seed of David, so also the world is said to have been ordained by him as God. In the same way as he was as man after many, so as God he was before all, in the same manner as he was as man inferior to others. So as God he was greater than all, in the same manner he is ascended as man into heaven, so as God he had first ascended thence. And in the same manner as he goes as man to the Father, so as the Son in, dis in obedience to the Father shall descend thence, so imperfections in him prove human frailty, majesties in him, affirm divine power. For the risk is, in reading of both, to believe not both, but one of the two. Wherefore, as both are read of in Christ, let both be believed, so that so finally the faith may be true, being also complete. For if of the two principles one gives way in the faith, and the other, and that indeed which is of the least importance, be taken up for belief, the rule of truth is thrown into confusion, and that boldness will not confer salvation. 
and the stead of salvation will affect a great risk of death from the overthrow of faith. Thank you for listening to Voices of Church Past. We have been reading Novation's Argument for the Trinity. We'll leave off there and pick up again another day. Till then, may, may the Lord our God keep you steadfast in the one true faith given unto the saints. God bless.